John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. guys know what the vision statement or the mission statement of Victory Church really is? If you come through class 101, we've taught this, we've instructed this. It's through all of our classes, 101 through 401. We teach this and we try to drive it home. You'll see these mission statements and these vision statements on a lot of different literature and different things that are put out by Victory Church. But here's what it is. Building D6 families to carry out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Now, building D6 families takes us all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter number 6, where we realize that the greatest influencer in the home is mom and dad. And we want to try to put things in place that can equip the parent to be the primary faith trainer. We want to partner with you uh, as a church and a parent to be able to raise spiritual children and young children in, in your home. So that's the D6 part of it. But it also says we're trying to build these families so that they can be intentional about two things. The first thing is the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is found five different times in the, in the Bible. Every one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as well as the book of Acts. And the Great Commission is what I'm going to talk about today. But the second thing we try to do with these six families and with all of our families is so that they can carry out the Great Commandment. What is the Great Commandment? Turn quickly with me over to Matthew chapter 22 before I get into Matthew chapter 28. But in Matthew chapter 22, in verse number 34, it says this. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, now he's speaking to Jesus. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Listen to what the Lord said. Now he's telling you what the greatest commandment And all of Scripture is. And he says in verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. Now, when Jesus says this is the greatest commandment, I think we should pay attention. Don't you? Where do you think it is that Jesus first heard this Scripture? It's the Shema. It's Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Matter of fact, the first passage of Scripture that any young Jewish boy would have memorized would have been the Shema. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. That's the greatest commandment. But then it says the second is like into it. Look what he says in verse 38. This is verse 39. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the great commandment. Love God, love each other. Love God, love each other. This past week, I had the privilege, and Brother John Pratt and I had the privilege of going over to St. Louis. And there we went to the Renoco Coffee Factory. Now, I personally just thought Renoco was just a warehouse where they just got coffee in and they just sold it. That is actually, I was blown away Coffee is imported from literally around the world 
in burlap sacks into this place. They bring the coffee beans in and they roast them and they make the coffee. I was blown away. They gave us a tour of the plant. And this week, for the first time in my life, I was able to go coffee cupping. I was blown away with what I discovered by sipping coffee. The first thing I was blown away with, I thought, man, this is going to be great. We're going to go there, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to get to drink all types of coffee. You realize we didn't drink any? Do you realize when you go coffee cupping, you don't drink the coffee? I didn't know that. I mean, he had these five cups in front of us, and we're making coffee, and I'm thinking we're going to drink it. You don't drink any of it. You know what you do? You slurp it out of a spoon, and you slurp it really, really loud. Matter of fact, Robert, the professional coffee taster, slurper, was right beside me. The knowledge this man had of coffee literally blew me away. So he says, oh, I can't get into it. I went through all this whole thing with my son at home. And the aroma, I mean, he got all into this thing. And then he gets his little spoon, and he does this. And man, he slurped it so loud. And then you swash it around in your mouth and you let it get on your palate and on your tongue and you're, 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 you're looking for the oils in the coffee, the, the boldness, the weight of it, the citric, the acidity of it. I mean, so many different things you're looking for. And then you swash it around in your mouth and we have a big, huge spit platoon that's right between our legs and we, we spit it out. I had never done that in my life. I thought, man, this is so cool. It was the mo- one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced outside of Jesus. I mean, it really was pretty cool. Okay? You say, Pastor, why would you go do all that? Let me tell you why I did all that. Because, matter of fact, personally, my vision for our church is to have a vibrant coffee shop. So, I'm committed to Renoco. Number one, they're right here local. They're in St. Louis. I'm committed to what they do with their coffees. And we tasted these five different coffees. And one of them actually literally smelled like dirt. It was just nasty. It was moldy. It was musty. It it tasted like dirt. It smelled like dirt. And when we got done, he said, you know what that cup was? He said, literally, I went to the grocery store and I poured any coffee off the shelf and I put it in that cup and that's what you just had. Compared to these other fresh coffee beans of coffee, it smelled and tasted like dirt. The point is this. Personally, part of my vision for Victory Church is to have a vibrant coffee shop. Because here's what I've discovered takes place whenever we gather around a cup of coffee. By the way, we'll have hot chocolate for those that don't drink coffee. We'll have hot teas for those that don't drink coffee. But here's what I've discovered that takes place. Whenever two people sit down with a cup of coffee, hot chocolate, hot tea, whatever it is. You know what You know what happens? There's a connection that takes place, right? Which is why we've called it the Connection Cafe. The Connection Coffee Shop is what it's going to be. We've got labeling they're going to make up for us to put on all of our coffee pots. We've got burlap sacks that they're getting for us. I asked for these. I don't think they give them away to everybody. But I asked if we could specially have some to be able to decorate our coffee shop with. Because here's what I believe is important. I believe, yes, it is important for us to make a connection with God and love Him. But I believe also it's equally important that we make a connection with each other and we learn to love on each other, thus share each other's burdens, thus fulfilling the great commandment, right? You see, here's what I know about Victory Church. 
And I thank God for our church. I thank God for what he's done over the last several years with our church. Setting up and tearing down every Sunday morning has been one of the most stressful things that I have ever experienced in my entire ministry. I promise you, I'll never be real quick to sell a building and move to a school gym ever, ever, ever again. Amen? It's one of the most stressful things we ever do. You want me, you want me to tell you one of, the, one of the things I'm most excited about at our church? I'm most excited that whenever we show up, it can just be about each other now. And it doesn't have to be about equipment. It doesn't have to be about speakers. It doesn't have to be about drums or instruments or computers. We're going to take care of all of that through the week. Whenever we gather together as a body of believers in the local church, we now get to focus on God and focus on each other. Which is why I'm very passionate about having our coffee shop in our church. I want us to focus on building D6 families that carry out the great commandment, that learns how to love each other and love God, serve each other and serve God, look for each other and help each other and minister to each other and build relationships with each other, and God, listen, we've even got some, we've even got some really nice furniture that I think you guys are going to love that we're going to have in the Connection Cafe. I mean, we've got little, it's going to be like a little lounge. It's going to, it's got love seats and nice padded chairs. And I mean, it's going to be really, you know, in the old coffee shop, if you remember the old shop, the old uh, Connection Cafe at the old church, we had those high wooden chairs and those glass, that just, you sat there long, it just wasn't real comfortable. We've gone to extra lengths to make it comfortable for you in the Connection Cafe. Why? Because I want you to connect with God, and I want you to connect with each other. Because something happens. I was sharing this with the coffee lady, and she got all excited. And she got all, she's been with Renoco for 27 years. And she said, man, that is one of the most passionate speeches I've ever heard about coffee. <laughs> and I said, you know, coffee's the tool. It's about Jesus, you know? But we want to carry out the Great, Com- Great Commission as well. I want to share with you a few things about that, and I'll, I'll try to be brief here. Turn, if you will. You know that's a joke. Laugh. Go ahead. Matthew 28. I want you to look what Jesus says here. Matthew 28. Let's just begin reading in verse 16. I think I have verse 18 and following on the screen for you. But in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, it says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, and some doubted. Boy, I love verse 17. You know, everybody that comes into Victory Church, I want them to engage in worship. But I've come to this realization that just because you walk into church doesn't mean you're going to worship. There's going to be some skeptics that walk in. There's going to be some of those that just doubt. I'm just not real sure about this whole thing. And that's nothing new. I just want you to see that even happened in Jesus' day. It says, Jesus came near and, and they said to them, he said to them, Look, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you for this day thus far. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we've had to worship you in song, to hear the Bible lesson this morning, to be able now to dig into your word and Thank you for the many blessings that you've given us here at Victory Church, for our building that we're going to move into, for the furniture that we're going to be able to to relax in, for the coffee shop we're going to be able to have. And 
And, and the way that we're going to be able to minister to each other and connect with each other and share the gospel with our community. God, we thank you for so many wonderful things you've blessed us here with today. But God, I pray now as we look into the Great Commission, help us to realize that this is the reason that we exist today as a church, as a Christian, as an individual. This is what our life is to be about. In whatever methodology we choose to use, and however we choose to do this, help us, God, to live in the core of the Great Commission. Lord, I pray you bless our time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Great Commission, as I've already shared with you, it's shared five different times in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Gospel or the Book of Acts. But I want to look primarily at probably the most common usage of the Great Commission is in Matthew chapter 28 in verse 18 and 20 through 20. And I just want to kind of unpack this small little passage of Scripture and let you see several different things. First of all, it says, and this isn't point number one or anything. I'm going to get there in just a moment. But I want you to look what he says we're to be doing. We are to be going about making disciples. And the question is, what is a disciple? I've got this for you on the screen. A disciple is this. A disciple is someone who studies rigorously under the authority of the teacher or the rabbi. That is what we are to be. Guys, do you realize whenever we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, He then becomes our master teacher? He becomes our rabbi, if you will. He becomes the one that we are rigorously and enthusiastically and committed to studying everything that he teaches and everything that he says and applying it to our lives and following after him, becoming Christ-like. That is what a disciple is. Now, that's what we've been commanded to go and to make, right? We've been commanded to go and to make as well as be these disciples. Now, I want you to look what Jesus had to say and some of the requirements that he put on a disciple. In Luke chapter 14, in verse number 26, a disciple we see here, does he puts, he puts Christ before other people. Now, if we are a disciple of Jesus Christ, then we're going to be individuals that are putting him before anyone else. And in Luke 14 and 26, you'll see where Jesus talks about that. Let's go ahead and put all three of them up on the screen so if you're taking notes, you can jot these down real quickly. A disciple of Christ also puts Christ before yourself. You see, he comes first. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, then he comes before everybody else and he comes before myself as well. He is number one in my life. And then the third thing about a disciple, we just put Christ before everything. I mean, before everything, we put Christ first. Every bit of counsel that I ever give, and I sat down with individuals this week and had lunch with individuals this week and sat down with people this week, and, and, and we get into discussion, and every single one of them, if you pull them all together, and they ask you what is the number one counsel, thing in counseling, it doesn't matter what the situation may be, what is the number one step that I give them in all counseling, and it's this, put Christ first in your life. Put Him first. Put Him first. Seek after Him above family, above relationships, above your job, above your career, whatever. Put Christ first. And I just believe if we live for Him, if we seek Him, Matthew six thirty three, if we seek Him and His righteousness, He'll add all these other things to our life. 
And I think a disciple is going to be one that does just that. We're going to put Christ before others. We're going to put Christ before ourselves. We're going to put Christ before anything. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter number 14. So I want to talk to you about three things about the Great Commission, just pulling these out of Matthew chapter 28. I want you to jot these down, if you will, please. I want you to see, first of all, that the Great Commission is authorized by nothing less than the power of Christ. Jot that down. This Great Commission that we've been called to carry out has been authorized by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And all power in heaven has been given Him to carry out this Great Commission that He's given us. You see, authority, I think, is very important. Whenever we think about this role that we're living out, this commission that we're carrying out, we must ask the question, who gives us the authority? In what right or what authority do we have to go and carry out this gospel, this great commission? I want you to look what Jesus says in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You see, here's what I do know. I do know that the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, it says, For this reason God has highly exalted Him, that's Jesus Christ, and gave Him, that's Jesus Christ, that it, that the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and those on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Here's what I know. There is no higher authority than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. God has exalted him and given him a name above all names. And that is the authority that we march under. That's who we've gotten, received our orders from to carry out this great commission. So listen, the Lord knows this is very important for us to carry this out. So therefore, he's going to be sure that we are clear about who the authority comes from and who it is that's given us this great commission. He wants us to march with the authority and the blessing of one that is above all on our life, and that's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the authority that we go under, okay? So I want you to see the authority and realize that the great commission is authorized by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The second thing, jot this down, I want you to see. That it's accomplished by nothing less than the plan of Christ. Well, what is the plan of Christ? Look what he says in verse number 19. He says, go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations. The plan, I think, is twofold. First thing I want you to jot down, I don't have a slide for this, but the first thing I want you to jot down is the scope of the plan. And ask yourself the question, what is the scope of this plan? Well, he tells us in verse number 19 that we are to go to all nations, not just a select few, but to all nations. That's the scope. And then I love Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 9. In heaven it says they sang a new song. Now, this is after the rapture of the church, and this is in the presence of the Lord. And look what it says in Revelation 5, 9. It says, they sang a new song. And they sang and said, you, and they're singing unto Christ. They're singing unto the Lord. And they said, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered. And you have redeemed people for God by your blood. Get this, from every tribe and language and people and nation. 
What's the scope of this plan? Who are we to go to and share the gospel? The Bible says, and Jesus said, the scope is all nations. Hello? There's not one person that we're to reject. I don't care what their nationality may be. I don't care what the color of their skin may be. Hello? We're to embrace everyone and we're to share the gospel with everyone. That's the scope of the plan with everyone. I've shared with you over and over and over again. Listen, I want Victory Church to be open, our doors to be open to all races where we all come in here together. I don't care where you've been born. I don't care what, I don't even care what the color of your skin is. Listen, everybody has a living soul and we are to share the gospel with everyone. Everybody God loves. Everybody Jesus died for. And we are to share the gospel with them. I don't want us to be a white middle class church. Hello? Hello? Man, I want us to just embrace everyone. And I look through our congregation today and I am so pleased that we have different types of skin that's here. Let's just praise the Lord for that. Amen? That we are a church that can open the doors to all races and have everyone come in and be part of the Victory Church family. You see, that's the scope of the plan of Jesus Christ. That we go out and we share that. I was having lunch with Carlos yesterday. And he and I got off in this discussion. I said, listen, that's my heartbeat for victory. That we just don't see color and we don't see race and we don't see different ethnic groups. We realize that the scope and the plan of salvation is for everyone. And we want everyone to come in and hear the gospel. It doesn't doesn't matter what color their skin is. Hello? Man, that's good stuff. That's almost enough to make an Episcopalian shout just a little bit. But that's good stuff. That's the scope of the plan of Jesus Christ. And it says, listen, when we get to heaven, it says in Revelation 5, 9, that they're going to be praising him and worshiping him, Tyler, and crying out, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. And it says that every tribe and every, every language and every people and every nation that has accepted him as their personal Savior will be part of that mix that is worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords around the throne. So what is the scope? Everybody. Amen? I don't want you to ever fear. Listen, I know there are some groups and churches where you think, I'm just not sure how so-and-so may be accepted at that church. Listen, I'm going to do everything in my power as pastor of this church to remove any fear or any doubt how anyone will be accepted when they come in the doors of this church. I believe everybody is somebody. Hello? There's no big eyes. There's no little U's. Everybody is somebody. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care who you voted for as president. I don't care what your political preference may be. I don't care about that stuff. What I care about is you have a soul and everybody needs to hear the gospel. And I hope and pray that you can come in the doors of this church and be welcomed and hear the gospel and be saved and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, what's the specifics of the plan? The scope of the plan is for everyone. What are the specifics? Look what he says in verse 19. I think there's three or four here. He says in verse number 19, he says, go and make disciples. That's one or two, depending on how you want to do that. Number one, go. The second thing we're to do is make disciples or go and make disciples. So that's either one thing for you or that's two. So that's why it's three or four. Okay. Are you with me? We are to go. 
Now, in the original language, that verb go is in the continual sense. It means as we are going, as we are continuing to go. It's not, some people think, well, evangelism just happens on Thursday night at the church from 7 to 9 o'clock. No, no, no. You say, I, I believe there should be training. And we're, we offer class 401, which is our training session for everyone to teach and share with you how you can effectively share the gospel. And in that, we put three or four different ways that you can do that. You take it and make it your own. But as you are going through your day, as you're going through your life, tomorrow morning, the rest of today, every single day, when, when God brings people across your path, your first intention when you see them is not, hey, I better warm up to this guy. He can help my career if I can get some accolades from him and I can get him on my resume he can help my career and i'm amazed at how many men think that way when they meet other individuals and maybe even some ladies do don't that's selfish that's almost sinful that you're willing to engage in a relationship for what you can get out of it shame on you hello we ought to see somebody and you know what jesus died for that individual and I'm going to go to that individual and I'm going to try to engage in them and have a relationship with them and build something with them and be able to, as I'm going, I want to look for opportunities to share with them. Now, I believe the best way you can share, get this, is by the way you live your life Monday through Friday. Listen, nobody cares what comes out of your life. I don't care what type of evangelistic plan you may have memorized, how many steps you have, and man, you can quote scripture and you can say it like that. If you don't live that life Monday through Friday, the words coming out of your mouth are going to fall right about six inches out, boom, they're falling. Nobody's going to listen to that. Hello? So, right? So sharing the gospel is more than just memorizing scripture and knowing how to lead someone to Christ. It's really about how you live your life because you have no power whatsoever on your life. If you're not living it every single day, every single minute, if you're not living it, no one really cares what you have to say about it. Hello? So we've got to live it. So as we're going, we make these disciples. So engage in relationships with those around you. As I've already shared with you, share your story. Just tell other people what Christ has done for you. Share your story. That's to go and make disciples. The second part of it, we're looking at the specifics of the plan. The second part of it is that we baptize them. Look what he says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, I do believe in water baptism by immersion. And, I, and the reason I believe that, because that's the way the Bible teaches about baptism. But I think it's more than just water baptism. Some people think, well, let's go through the motion, get water baptized, boom, I'm okay. No, 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 there's more than that. You see, I think what's more than that is that baptism really is the assimilating into the local church. It's, it's baptizing you, yes, in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's an, it's an outward expression of an inward change. Yes, it is making public my faith, confessing Christ before all men that I am a believer in Jesus Christ. Yes, it is all those things. But I think it's more than just that event. You see, whenever you're baptized in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit... I think what goes along with that is the assimilating into the local church. You see, I think it's really finding my place, and it's, it's, my, it's my interest, if you will. Now, the moment you accept Christ, you're saved. Some folks have asked me the question, do you have to be baptized to be saved? The answer is no. I think baptism is the very first step in obedience as a child of God because it's part of the command. He's told us to, that we're to be baptized. 
So I think it's really the very first step in obedience. Some people ask me the question, what if someone gets saved and, and they die before they're ever baptized? Will they get to heaven? The answer is yes. Okay? We do not believe in baptismal regeneration. Right? If you do, and I'm going to ask you a question. What about the thief on the cross? What about the thief on the cross dying there next to Jesus? And he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he didn't even really know what he prayed. But the prayer and the intent was, I believe that you are Jesus, the Son of God. Have mercy on me. That's what he was praying. Now, Jesus, if listen, if Jesus would have answered his prayer according to how he prayed his prayer, he still would not have answered it yet because Christ has not come into his kingdom yet. You understand that? Now, that's a whole other lesson there. But the point I want you to see is this. Two things, maybe. Number one, aren't you glad that God knows what it is we're praying from our heart, even if we can't verbally speak what we're trying to say? Hello? He, I mean, he prayed the wrong prayer, but God knew what, he was, what, what his intent was. And he said, no, 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 today. You remember how he answered him? He didn't say, no, no, wait till my kingdom, because the Lord knew when he was going to come back and set up his kingdom, or the Father knows, and he knew it would be a while. He said, no, no, today you will be with me in paradise. You know who we're going to see in heaven? Among the thousands and millions that will be there, you know who we're going to see? We're going to see that old thief that died on the cross with Jesus. Question, was he baptized by immersion in water? No, he didn't have a chance. You see, I've sat by the bed of many people that have been dying And I've had the privilege of leading many people to Christ on their deathbed. And I've watched them close their eyes. And I've watched their their life depart from them. And the family and loved one around them. And you know the comfort I'm able to share with them? Is listen, they've accepted Christ as their Savior. They just prayed to accept Christ as their Savior. We will see them again in heaven. What great comfort. So I want you to see that baptism alone does not save you. Now, it's the first step in obedience. But this is part of the specifics of the plan. That we go and make disciples, that we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I believe that baptism speaks more of the assimilating process into the ministry of the church. You see, whenever we're baptized in the cross, we're baptized into the local body of believers. We're baptized in the body of Christ universally. Therefore, we are to engage in the local ministry of the church. I believe the assimilation process is very important as we're going and making disciples. It's not just enough to go and share the gospel and lead someone to Christ. I think we need to bring them to the second step with this baptism, literally and figuratively, if you will, and assimilate them into the body of Christ. You see, it's important that everybody finds a ministry. If not, you're going, to, you're going to discover that church is empty. It may be boring. It may seem dead to you. And the reason being because you're not necessarily engaged in a ministry. We all need to be engaged in a ministry. And that's that whole assimilating process that I'll link right there, I believe, with baptism. And then the third thing we are to do, not only go and make disciples, baptize them, but the third thing is this, that we're to teach them. Look what it says. Go therefore make disciples all nations, baptizing them. Verse 20, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Let me tell you why Bible study is so important. Because it's part of the Great Commission. It's part of making disciples. And we must be intentional about Bible study. We're teaching those to grow in their faith. Teaching people to grow in their maturity as disciples of jesus christ okay that's part of the specifics let me give you the third one i'll close with this the third if you will of the great commission not only is it authorized by nothing less than the power of christ 
Not only is it accomplished by nothing less than the plan of Christ. But thirdly, I want you to see this. this. It's assured, get this, by nothing less than the presence of Christ. You see, we operate under His power, we operate under His plan, and He's encouraged us with His presence. He says, as you are doing this, as you are going and sharing, as you are living your life, I want to promise you that I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Guys, listen, I got good news for you. There is never one moment in your life when you are completely alone. The Lord has promised you, I will be with you all the way to the end of the age. I don't know about you, but that brings comfort. That brings comfort to me knowing that as I'm going, as I'm making disciples, as I'm living my life, as I'm trying to live for the Lord, as I'm paying attention to those that God's bringing across my path, as I'm sharing the gospel with them, as I'm talking to them about Christ and the things of eternal weight and value, I realize that I'm not alone. The Lord is with me. He said, I will never leave you. I am always with you even until the end of the age. There's not one time when he... To me, that brings tremendous comfort. But not only does it bring comfort to me, it also brings a challenge because he's with me all the time. Now let that sink in from a different perspective. Now not only is he with me to comfort me as I'm going, but he's also with me to challenge me as I'm going. Hey, you know, you get a a Holy Ghost nudge or the Lord kind of thumps you. Why didn't you speak up for me right there? Or... Why are you doing that? Don't you know what kind of witness you are for me right there? You know, there's the challenge. We gotta remember that everywhere we go, everything we do, He is with us. Hello? I've been to enough men's conferences and I've heard preachers preach to men about their struggle with pornography. And you realize they never struggle with it sitting in church or they never struggle with it sitting with a men's group or they never struggle with it when other men and people are around. But when they get by themselves is when they struggle with it. And they ask one man, he said, why do you struggle with it when you're alone? He said, because nobody else knows and nobody else is around. He reminded him, listen, you're really not alone. The Lord is still with you. Hello? I don't like Christian men, okay? And guys, I don't care what your problem may be whether it's going and sharing the gospel or some other type of sinful activity that we're struggling with, maybe overwhelmed with, I want to challenge you. Listen, you are never alone. The Lord is always with you. Right? He is always there. And so to me, whenever I read this, oh, I I find great comfort. But I also find a great challenge. And it kind of helps keep me in check on what I do and how I live and things I say and where I go and how I carry myself. It helps challenge me because I realize, oh, he's walking with me, right? He's there. And I hope and pray that you get comfort in that. But I also hope that you realize maybe you get a little challenge by that. So the Great Commission, it's authorized by the power of Christ. Secondly, it's accomplished by the plan of Christ. And thirdly, It's assured by the presence of Christ. So as we're going, I want you to know that you're going under his authority. You're carrying out his plan, and you have his presence. He's with you. All right? Well, 
Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois. 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.